good afternoon. I've said good morning so many times and been told, no, no, no. So good afternoon, everyone. It's another beautiful day, weather-wise, maybe not, but it's a beautiful day to celebrate the installation of Pastor Bart and welcome Sharon. I would also like to welcome Pastor Julio, who is uh, Julio Romero, I guess I should say your last name. He is the Dean of the Niagara Chapter of the Eastern Synod. This is his second installation. He did one last week at First Lutheran and now here, so we thank you very much for your time. <clears throat> After the service, we will be having a little bit of coffee and cake in the fellowship hall. I know that the COVID numbers are going up, so anyone not comfortable with joining us, our feelings won't be hurt. It's, it's quite all right. And if you go to the Kottmeyer room, we'll have some desserts for you to take home. Wear your mask till you sit down. You will be served coffee and dessert. And I hope that some of you can come. Thank you again. Jesus came out of the temple, one of his disciples said to him, Look, teacher, what large stones and what large buildings. Then Jesus asked him, Do you see these great buildings? Not one stone will be left here upon another. All will be thrown down. When he was sitting on the Mount of Olives opposite the temple, Peter, James, John, and Andrew asked him privately, Tell us, when will this be, and what will be the sign that all these things are about to be accomplished? Then Jesus began to say to them, Beware that no one leads you astray. Many will come in my name and say, I am he, and they will lead many astray. When you hear of wars and rumors of wars, do not be alarmed. This must take place, but the end is still to come. For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be earthquakes in various places. There will be famines. This is but the beginning of the birth pangs. This is the gospel of the Lord. Please be seated. Every year, the fall season provides that breathtaking scenery. For some, it is the changing of leaves' colors. For others, it is the beauty of the leaves dancing in the air as they fall down to the ground. This free display of nature, of the beauty, every year comes as a prelude to the beginning of the winter season. So it is with our gospel text this morning, or this afternoon, I should say, with the difference being that what we hear from Jesus are dark images of destruction. Every year, Jesus' prediction of the destruction of the temple found in the Gospel of Mark 
comes as a prelude of Christ the King Sunday, which is the end of the liturgical year and reminds us that Advent is just around the corner. But before we get there, we have these hard predictions from our Lord Jesus. It happened that as the Lord Jesus and his disciples were leaving the temple, one of them got a little bit too excited, I think. He was quite impressed with the beauty of the building and the big, big stones. So he said, look, teacher, what large stones and what large buildings? Then Jesus asked him, do you see these great buildings? Not one stone will be left upon another. All will be thrown down. It is easy to assume that Jesus' comments about the future of this magnificent structure and what it represented for the disciples and the rest of the Jewish people needed more explanation from him. Clearly, the disciples were disturbed, shocked, and concerned about what they just heard from him. The temple was the center of their religious faith, but also their pride as Jewish nation. In one way or another, they all had a special connection to this building. Maybe some of their parents or grandparents worked in the construction of it. In those days, every person 20 years and older paid a temple tax. It was a half shekel, the equivalent to two, two days' work. The money was used for the upkeep and maintenance of the temple. In Matthew chapter 17, tells us that Jesus himself paid the tax. In verse 24, it says that when they reached Capernaum, the collectors of the temple tax came to Peter and said, Does your teacher not pay the temple tax? Peter answered, Yes, he does. So this tells us that the temple was more than just a beautiful, magnificent building for all of them. The temple was their house of worship, the center of who they were as God's people. No wonder they were concerned about what they just heard from Jesus. It was so that later the day when they were gathered on the Mount of Olives, Peter, James, John, and Andrew asked him privately, Tell us, when will this be? And what will be the sign that all these things are about to be accomplished? It was then that the Lord Jesus started talking about the appearance of false messiahs, Rumors of wars, nations rising against nations, earthquakes, famines, and more. On the year 70, almost 30 years after the Lord Jesus died on the cross and resurrected, the Romans suppressed the Jewish revolt, which at the end had as a result the exile of all the people in the city of Jerusalem and the destruction of his temple. When you read this text, it is easy to be pulled by the idea that it's about the end of times, that it's about Jesus' prediction of his second coming. But a closer study of the text tells me that it is about the temple, about the false and misguided perception that some earthly things are eternal, 
The truth is that nothing of this world is eternal. Everything is temporal. Everything comes or will come to an end. Not even the huge walls, huge and heavy stones of the temple that took more than 47 years to build could last forever. Something the disciples probably thought could. It is here where Jesus' prophecy about the end of the temple has something important to teach us. How many people, and we included, dedicate and spend most of our life building things we consciously assume or believe will last forever, neglecting the things that are truly eternal? A little boy is building a sand castle. He is on his knees. He scoops and packs the sand with plastic shovels into a bright red bucket. Then he turns the bucket upside down on the surface and lifts it up. And to the delight of the little architect, a castle tower is built, is created. All afternoon he will work packing and adding more walls to the castle. Bottle tops will be soldiers on top of the towers. Popsicle sticks will be bridges. A sand castle will be built. A man in his office is at his desk shuffling papers into stacks and delegates assignments. He cradles the phone on his shoulder and punches the keyboard with his fingers. Numbers are juggled, and contracts are signed, and much to the, to the delight of this man, a profit is made. All his life, his life, he will work formulating the plans, forecasting the future. Annuities will be his soldiers. Capital gains will be his bridges. An empire will be built. Two builders of two castles that have much in common. They shape, shape granules into grandeurs. They see nothing and make something. They are diligent and determined, and for both the tide will rise and the end will come. Yet, that is where the similarities end. For the boy sees the end while the man ignores it. As the waves near, the wise child jumps to his feet and begins to clap. There is no sorrow, there is no fear, no regret. He knew this would happen. He is not surprised. And when the great breaker crashes into his castle and his masterpiece is washed away into the sea, he smiles. He smiles, pick up his tools, take his father's hand, and goes home. The grown-up, however, is not so wise. As the wave of years collapses on his castle, he is terrified. He hovers over the sandy monument to protect it. He blocks the waves from the walls he has made. It's my castle, he says. But the ocean need not respond. Both know to whom the sand belongs. You and I probably don't know much about sand castles. 
but children do. So it is a good idea to watch them and learn how to build with a child's heart. So that when the sun sets and the ties take, we applaud, salute the process of life, and then take our father's hand and go home. The child in this story represents how each of us should approach life. Now, since that you and I have built or will build in this life, in this world, is eternal. No matter how much we invest in it or become attached to, everything, absolutely everything, will come to an end, except for one thing, that is love. The love that one day came from heaven in the persons of Jesus. The love that redeems us and who one day will take us back to our Father, will take us by our hand and take us to our Heavenly Father. Soon I will install Pastor Barton Coleman as your pastor for the coming months, coming years. The call he has received from you has as, as its ultimate goal duplicate and spread the love that our Lord Jesus has given us and taught us. What this means is that you and him together have a mission that is larger, a mission that is greater than our own existence as individuals and as congregation. I encourage you to use every day and use this opportunity that God has given you to serve the gospel of Lord Jesus together, to spread that love because nothing is eternal except love. So whatever time we have left, let's not neglect what's eternal. I would like to close with one of Jesus' teachings. He said, Store treasures in heaven, where moth and rust do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Amen. Amen.